And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host today, Matt Watson. We're going to talk about something fun today, trying to figure out how to build software, trying to do it with one of those fancy new low-code things, which there's a lot of those out there, and... For those of you who don't remember, like Microsoft Access came out like 20 years ago, which is kind of a low-code thing. Uh, I had to learn that crap in college. But anyways, um, and then he went through the journey of custom building the software. So we're going to learn a lot from this journey today. Uh, our guest today is Nick Farish. He is the president and founder of Kudu Solutions. So before we get started, I do want to remind everybody that hiring software developers doesn't have to be a pain in the neck. You don't have to spend $30,000 in staffing fees to try and find somebody. You can call Fullscale. We build software development teams for other people. We have over 300 people working for dozens of other scale-up startup kinds of companies. That's what I do. Check us out at fullscale.io. Nick, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Now, I'm excited to talk about your story today because I think there's a lot of buzz out there about low-code solutions and no-code solutions and AI is going to overtake the world and we don't need software developers anymore. We hear all these crazy stories. And while I think there's a little bit of that that is some truth, right? There, there are some things that definitely help with the development process, but you actually kind of went through it, so excited to, to, to hear your story today. So I guess first, tell us a little bit about your background and kind of what got you into the idea of wanting to create software in general. Uh, yeah, so I actually kind of fell into it, literally. Um, so I've spent about 20 years uh, in the construction industry, either in the Navy as a support role in supply chain and operations um, later on in uh, hands-on roles or um, administrative roles. And I joined a company about eight years ago uh, that was a flooring company with a national footprint. And while I was there, um, they were looking to kind of innovate on the processes that they already had. And so they built some add-ons to their legacy systems uh, and realized that those kind of weren't going to live much longer. Um, and so we started going down the path of what's next. And that took us down the path of some low-code, no-code options, uh, um, even like some dashboard examples of just adding and adding and adding on to these legacy systems. Um, all the way to building out an open source product on Odoo uh, to now building out a custom solution uh, ourselves. So you were building, is this like a, a, it's a job tracking, contact management, like quoting, like dispatching, like what kind of stuff does this do for the flooring industry? Yeah, so we uh, are Industry-specific solutions typically house four functions. The first one is sales. So your contact management, customer relationship, quoting the customer, um, estimate templates for what you've estimated the customer is going to use, all the way to the quote and final order process. Uh, the next 
typical modules like field management, so uh, assigning installers and um, kind of scheduling those jobs out to make sure you have the capacity to get that work done. And then we have kind of an operations management role that is inventory management, logistics planning, excuse me, product management. Um, and then I, most of systems have accounting. Sometimes they lack it. Sometimes they, they have it built in. Um, and so our legacy systems usually have those four functions. That's uh, a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. Um, what we started out doing was kind of adding on to those. So where we saw issues and maybe material allocation or the conversation between the customer to the salesperson to the back office who was actually having to put that order in because it was a client side server that was in a single location. Um, those were all things we tried to solve kind of with these add-on products before realizing that we just had to rebuild kind of the whole thing for us. So the, so the old original system you had, was it something that was also built in house like a long time ago, like this old legacy thing or no, it was a third party vendor? This is an actual third party vendor okay. kind of legacy, legacy system. Um, and so most okay. of the products were built like late eighties, early nineties. Um, and were great. Like they got a lot of people where they needed to be right. Um, and continue to, but they weren't as forward thinking as what we needed to be, uh, or felt we needed to be and weren't giving the roadmaps to indicate they were going to be adding the functionalities that were specific to our business. Um, and definitely no customization. There wasn't a lot of open API integration at the time where you could just kind of build into it how you saw fit. So when you, so when you guys decided you needed to upgrade this technology, did you go out? Were there other options in the market that you could have purchased? There was no other vendors out there selling stuff? Like what, why, so, did, why, were you, why did none of those make the list? And they did. Um, so our everything we've done is kind of stair-stepped and given us the ability to do the next thing. And so the first thing we did was go out and look for uh, equivalent ERP that was easier to use, easier to train people on. Because one of the hardest things um, with kind of this business is retention. And so when you don't retain people well, especially in these data entry roles or anything like that, and it takes six to nine months for someone to learn the system, it is really hard to have anyone effectively do the day-to-day -day work. And so we went out, found a, a better platform. We thought it was easier to train our teams. Uh, it also kind of was deployed in a, a virtual cloud with a remote desktop access. So now we could kind of extend the reach of who could access the system. And we saw that we could train people a little bit quicker. Um, so we did that for literally about six to nine months before we realized that it too was not going to be uh, kind of the long game, mostly because we we couldn't build into it the way we wanted to. It was built on Sybase 9, I think, uh, database. So we didn't have a lot of developers that were familiar with it. Um, so building our third, not even our internal programs into that system um, was kind of a challenge. And so that was when we said, all right, well, we've gone through the process of taking our ERP that we were on for 30 years. We've migrated to another ERP. The business hasn't burned down yet. Um, <laughs> we survived. Yeah, we survived. We made it. <laughs> Let's try the next thing. Um, and, and as we were going through the process of kind of figuring out what it was going to take to build out the extra tools we needed that this next ERP didn't have, 
we realized like, hey, to have a customer portal, we need these things that don't exist in that system. To have an installer portal, we need these things that don't exist in that system. So we got to the point or the final conclusion that like, we're either going to have to build our own system and or find something that exists today that we can build on top of. And so that's when we kind of started looking towards the open source route and we found Odoo, which had the sales modules, the contact management modules, the accounting functions, all the things we were scared of where we could kind of customize and tweak um, that to fit our individual business needs. Um, And so that was our next jump was kind of to the Odoo open source market. So was that a terrifying decision though, to decide like, we're going to build this thing, we're going (laughs) to build this thing. Did you, did you have any software developers in house or anything when you guys decided to make this? Not at all. Um, everything to that point had been third party. We had done, uh, some quick work with, um, some custom software to build, like start that customer portal process and that second system. So we had like, you know, kind of the design requirements and going through the user journey and understanding all like how to get the, the basic requirement platform to tell the developers. But what helped us in that case was that it already existed, right? Like Odoo had a sales module. So we looked at how that worked and then we said, all right, how can we take that and manipulate a couple fields and a couple workflows and make it work for us? So, you know, just an example, we have multifamily hierarchy. So we have to deal with apartment complexes and then what management company they belong to. So within the contact module, we had to build out this hierarchy that said, Uh here's the management company and here's all the organizations that belong to it. And then here's all the contacts that belong to it. Um, And so it was kind of a basis of being able to take what we knew about the system and then improve upon it. And so we kind of went through this whole project cycle of breaking everything down. All right, here's the field management module. Work orders have to get out. And we know we're working with this property, but how do we know exactly what unit we're working with or what installer is being assigned and how that installer is being paid? And so we had to build out each of those functions. Um, and all that led to later on kind of better understanding how to build out the scope and all the requirements. You understood the requirements. That, that was the key is you understood the requirements because you were using it internally. You were experts at what needed to be done. Like So that part's the, the good part. But I want to back up for a second because you, so ultimately you guys – picked Odoo. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Odoo, Odoo. Yeah. Weird name for this thing. Um, <laughs> did you look, did you have to go out and like look for like 10 different solutions? Like there's all these open source things. And like, I mean, technically you could have used like salesforce.com and customized the crap out of it. Like there were a lot of options out there, right? Did How much time did you spend looking at all the different low code, no code options before you even uh-huh. chose Odoo? So it was actually a couple of years. So when I started kind of holy moly software, so it, it, when it led up to this, I had already done the research because as we were going through like these ERP changes and questioning what yeah. we were doing, in the background, I was always looking at this, like, is there an accounting system that works out there that we can just build on top of? What, what does that look like? But we needed that first migration to give us the ability to jump to the next level and customize it ourselves. And so when we did that, I already kind of knew of Odoo and brought it up and was like, you know, talking to our COO at the time was like, hey, man, like, this is really what you're considering. I see all the functionality is there. The next step is like calling someone that knows something about this. And so Odoo has like their partner list out Uh there. And I just looked at the top three gold partners in the U.S. and called them all and was like, hey, we're a construction company. 
This is what we're trying to do. How does that make sense to you? And we got a hold of a company called Open Source Integrators out in Redlands, California. Great bunch of guys. Um, and they were like, yeah, we, we know exactly how to do this. Uh, we've done, you know, this field management, we have a big GIS background to like understand how all the moving parts work. And so we went kind of into it with them pretty quickly. Like it was a very rapid decision. Like you're hitting all of our check boxes, answered all of our questions, right? Let's go. So we jumped out there and did a workshop with them for three days. Um, and just went through the system from start to finish of how it worked and what we needed it to do uh, alongside that. And that was kind of how we knew we were with the right people. So how long did it take you to implement Udo? Um, we signed the contract with them in, I want to say like June of 2019. Uh, and our project kicked off that October, I believe. And from October to May 1st, we built out kind of our iteration of Odoo. So, so about, almost a year, almost a year. About a year to kind of build everything out. And so when you got to May, were you, were you guys able to like fully move over all the different things? Or was it still like eh, only parts of it work? No, we moved the entire company over, um, kind of brought everybody in that week before or like as we were going live and we're like, all right, this is how you do it. Like, this is totally different because our salespeople have never had tools in their hand. We're going yeah. from kind of this client side to web-based solution. Um, so we don't know who's going to be doing what when we hash all this out, but we know that we're going to give you the tools and information at your fingertips the way you've always asked for it. Because that was a big thing, like, I don't have access to the system. I'm working in Excel or Word or whatever to create all these documents. And then I'm yeah. passing them to the back office so that they can do the work in the system. So I know like when you first had to make the decision, you're like, we're going to build our own software. And the week before this thing went live, there was a moment where you and the other executives are all sitting in a room and you're staring at each other and you're like, are we going to do this? Yeah. Are we going to do this? Are we sure? Are we going to do this? My question for you is, which of those moments was the craziest? Like, do you feel like you were the craziest when you first made the decision or actually crazier when you're actually going to go live with this thing? Craziest was going live with it because this is 2020 now, right? So we finished building out our initial like go live date was March 31st. We wanted to hit the end of a quarter so that all of our next accounting documents were quarter forward. Um, well, you didn't hit your deadline. We didn't hit our deadline. So no. we had a go. <laughs> And it was a no go. Surprise, so surprise. Software yeah. development, you don't hit your deadline. Okay. Exactly. So, um, had that no go pushed to May 4th. Um, and in that time period, it was like, all right, the world's shutting down. Like, everything's in case. Oh, yeah. It's COVID. Yeah. It's COVID. We don't know <laughs> what our business is going to look like. Um, like, we're spending all this money on software. Like, should we really be focusing on just making sure we have enough sales to like continue? kind of our steady growth we've been having the last couple of years. Um, but ultimately it ended up being the perfect timing because COVID was kind of a down moment. We got to work through everything. Uh, we got everybody trained up. It took about 30 days to kind of work out the major bugs of kind of parity of like how we did business before to how we do business today. And then that was kind of when everything like the light bulb clicked for everybody and things just started accelerating. Um, and kind of by the end of it, 
not like really expected. We're trying to replace jobs, but we moved our whole back office process to the sales teams where it originally belonged. Um, and we're able to kind of downsize 15 roles that, oh, wow. uh, that were doing all this back office work, this telephone game that they were playing. Um, and so it was a huge, huge savings. I mean, it was half a million dollars in um, payroll that, that we were able to remove. But the, the bigger part of it to me is like, how do we create meaningful work? Because the big problem with retention is that you just do work that sucks. All this data entry work that nobody wants to do. It's a big part of, for that turnover, not being able to see like a growth pattern for a future career out of that. And so now we were kind of putting that in the hands of people who do have that career progression uh, and can use those workflows to kind of see where they're going in the future to make an impact in the business. I don't believe you. I don't think some of these salespeople were very happy that they had to actually document things now. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, we there's definitely <laughs> a lot of feedback. So the initial thing is like, hey, I, I want to be able to you know, create my own quote. I want to be able to deal with all my customers' information myself. I don't want to be handing it off and having all these errors in the back office. Like, I want it to be my responsibility. So initially, it's great. Everybody's like, I got what I asked for. And then eventually it becomes like, all right, well, now I'm doing a whole lot more admin work than I was before. So to kind of jump forward, Kudu Pro is about reducing that click count and trying to figure out how we can increase or like shrink that that admin time even further for those guys so that they can spe- or spend more time in the field and less time behind a desk. All right. So you, so you guys went through this whole process. You spent, you know, a year or two researching the tools to, to move to a low code solution like this. You spent another year actually implementing it. You got it all working. And then what happened? You got it all working. A few months go by. What happened? Um, Pretty quickly, we saw the successes. You know, this was in May. Um, by June, we were having conversations about um, what this looked like in a commercial aspect, partnering with Odoo, partnering with open source integrators and ourselves to kind of build this flooring solution out of Odoo. Um, and so Kudu Solutions kind of started in June of 2020. Um, went ahead and formed, didn't really know how it was going to work, how are we going to get everybody on board, uh, but knew that that was going to be a potential future. So we went to work, uh, you know, fixing all of, you know, continuing our kind of roadmap with Kudu for uh, the company I came from, Artisan, and then um, separating myself from that to kind of start this new venture as well at the same time. And so over the next year, um, it was probably... June of 2020 to January of 21 that we got traction. We had another um, prospective customer kind of catch on. They were working in the Kansas City market, actually, um, and knew that we were a competitor. Something had changed. Something was new, and they wanted to know what it was, so they reached out and asked. And so that was kind of our first prospect of, all right, can we get any commercial viability out of what we did? Um, and so we had a conversation with them, long story short, from January to May, we showed them the system. They got excited about it. By August of 21, we had our first live customer, um, and, oh, not live first signed contract did, we took them live in December of 21. Um, 
And so now we start seeing traction with the product. Not only have we had success, like major success with the company that I come from, now we were starting to get our first customer and see traction with them. Now, uh, now hold on. That yeah. was actually 18 months, if I wrote this down right, from June 2020, you guys decided like, hey, maybe somebody else could use this to December of 2021 until you got them finally up and running. 18 months. Yep. And that was a couple of reasons. One, we decided, uh, so Odoo has a versioning I call, I'll call it a problem. I'm sure they don't, but, um, you know, each version is their own thing. You have to migrate all of your code base to the next version. Every time something comes out, it's not backwards compatible. So we went ahead and built the same thing we did on the newest version, which at that time was like version 14. So before we took any customers out, we upgraded everything to the newest version, um, to make sure that we had all the newest tools. There was like some Excel function and other stuff that really didn't matter, uh, turns out, but we thought were bells and whistles people would like. Um, so that was a big part of the push was another year of development, taking the same code, building it into the next version. Um, and so that was kind of our commercializing venture, if you will, uh, before we took the next, next customer live. So this, this is getting really exciting for me because we're starting to talk about writing code and building software. Yeah. I do want to remind everybody, if you're also trying to write code and build software, full scale is a great option for you. Uh, we build teams that work directly for our clients. Our employees are all in the Philippines for about 70% less than it normally costs to hire somebody. And we specialize in full-time senior level talent. So you can check us out at fullscale.io. So Nick, tell me at some point in time here though, you guys figured out you're like, Udo is not the option. So you know, which is ironic because I thought open source software was supposed to be the cure for everything. And you picked open source software, yeah. right? So ultimately, why did this thing fall apart? Why why did you, you invested like years of time mm -hmm. into Udo to eventually decide, you know what, this isn't going to work. Like what happened there? Um, it was kind of a consistent problems that were happening. So one was we saw a lot of issues with um, with kind of the volume of data one of our customers was putting into the system and not being able to correct that issue. So we started having longer times to process sales orders. It was taking, you know, 10, 15 minutes to load an accounts receivable report. And that just started compounding more and more. So that was one issue that like we continued to try to resolve through 22. Um, but the biggest one was three of the modules that were like sales was great. It could have worked the way it does forever, but the field management um, was a little too interconnected with different modules. Inventory wasn't quite the way we wanted it to work. And um, the accounting module, let's see, 20, so 2020, 2021, 2022 had gone through audits with our first customer um, that were causing problems, like weren't able to trace data the way that we really needed to for the audits. Um, we're having some issues with getting accurate inventory costing. And it's not that like the way they do things is great for some business models, not great for like how we deal with flooring, specified costing, a lot of other issues that were kind of coming along. Um, and so we kind of sat down with everyone and said, hey, look, we can either... Well, let me back up real quick, Matt. So we took this to market as well in 22. We had uh, 
couple conferences we went to, we got in front of customers outside of like these prospects that kind of knew us already and knew what we were doing um, and started talking to the market. Something we should have done far earlier and something that we're doing much more earlier for this next product. Um, but we learned that we had overbuilt like the cost that it was going to run between Odoo licenses and development and everything else we needed to do for that platform was going to far exceed really what we could charge. Wait a second. I thought open source software was free. No. <laughs> so they say it's open source uh, for their community edition, open core for their enterprise edition. We were running the enterprise. So to get all the functionality we needed, we actually had to pay for it. Oh, so it's not free. No, no. Okay. Well, so did, is that because they had to host it? Was there any option where you could host it yourself? Yeah, we did host everything ourselves on AWS. Oh, you did host it. Yep. Yeah. And so. paid them a crap ton of money both. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. So one of the other thing that's interesting here is when people think about low code or no code, they're like, "Well, all the ma all the problems will magically go away. Like the platform will have to deal with all of the issues. We just make yeah. the software and make it work, and somehow or another, under the hood, it just magically works. Like, yeah. But one of the things I want to highlight is you talk about system slowness. Yeah. Like, was that because of your hosting and and you didn't spend enough on hosting or way the product no, worked we, or we spun up every time we needed any more computing power or anything we always added as much as we needed and with aws obviously at each tier like you get more than you need for certain cases but it wasn't solving the problem um, a lot of it had to do with like how everything was computing so like a lot of what you deal with in an erp system is calculated fields right so you're right. drawing information from all these different sources and trying to feed it into one system or one report or one outcome, whatever it is. Um, and so that's where we saw a lot of the slowness that wasn't just easy, easily to be fit and easy fix. Um, but the, the hosting, like we continued to play with that as much as we could just never was never enough. Like we, our customers putting in 10,000 invoices a month, um, you know, 120,000 yeah. invoices a year, all the data points between connected contacts and products and inventory and everything well, else just kills it <clears throat> so let, so i, I want to touch on some of these things a couple a couple more ways because i think they're interesting about when you go to use like a low code no code thing so like the system slowness issues is that something you reach out to odoo and be like hey for whatever reason this thing is slow why is your crap slow how do we fix it like is that something they gave you support on or were they <laughs> like ah, oh, just scale up your servers it's your problem like what what did they do yeah, so that's a another, I wouldn't say problem, like not to discount the team that we were working with, but what we, the our relationship with Odoo was middlemaned by our integrator, right? Okay. When you deal with like a Microsoft product or you deal with a Google product, like usually you have this integrator middleman and that's kind of what we were dealing with. So they were dealing with Odoo on their side. We never had that direct relationship, but it was, our relationship was with the integrator and they're, not only did they customize the product for us, but they also did like kind of DevOps-ish role of hosting okay. and security. And they everything. were supposed to make it figure it out. Exactly, exactly. And so um, to kind of jump back to our original conversation, that was where the main focus was around inventory problems, accounting issues. Not only was it systematic of like being slow um, and having a lot of computing issues, but it was also functional. Like it wasn't right. our, our long-term plan 
we kept having these workarounds of like, well, Odoo works this way and Odoo works. Well, we don't care how Odoo works. We want it to work our way. Um, and so those were, those were compounding problems that happened. And there was an event at some point where we had to have a conversation about who owned code and some other things um, around all of this, which is another problem in of itself. Um, but we started contacting a company called Dual Boot, which much like Full Scale is uh, uh, development partners that okay. you hire out um, and started having a conversation with their owners about what we were doing, the path we were on, what it looks like going forward. And I sat down with our owners and said, hey, we can spend millions to rebuild Odoo. We can rebuild the whole inventory module. We can rebuild the whole field management module. We can rebuild the whole accounting module. But for the equivalent price, we probably can just rebuild our whole system, own our own code, and have our roadmap be what we need it to be. Um, and so that was a come to Jesus moment for us. Hold on. That was the third moment when you yeah. all sit in a room and look at each other and you say, are we going to do this? Yeah. At so, least the third moment anyways. At least the third. Um, and so that that was a real conversation of like, it's not it's not a marketable product. We're you know at a minimum of six thousand dollars a month. There's no five twenty person company that can afford that. Um, so what what are we going to do? Is are we worried about the commercialization? Are we worried about just keeping our current customers running? Either way, we have we have some real serious decisions to make. Um, and we came out of that meeting with the decision to rebuild it ourselves. Uh, we wanted to own our product we wanted to own the future of our product um and with conversations we had had with dual boot we knew it was possible to kind of make that work with them so we did the migration erp to erp we did the migration from erp to building our kind of customized solution on top of somebody else's product and now we've made the decision to build our own product so how was how was that going where are you at in that process now we are 45 days away from being MVP complete. Okay. <laughs> um, well, so when did, when did that process start? How long ago did you start building your own version? So we made the decision in June or July, July of 22. Um, and we got started in August of 22. So we're coming up on 18 months at the, by the time we're MVP complete. So you're saying it. You're saying it takes a long time to build software. That's what I'm hearing. Yes, especially when you don't know what you're doing. So once again, we've had the experience. We felt confident in doing it. We know how to kind of relay information. We've done that with developers at this point. Um, but what you don't get told, kind of out of the gate, is how much of that scope you really need ready on the front end to make progressive work happen. And when you have a team that's outside of your team and you have to explain kind of the business processes, that takes time. Um, so you start from scratch with authentication <laughs> and you have to then go into what does the menu look like? What does the interface look like? How are we going to simplify it better than we do today? Um, and working with kind of a design team. So our process, first and foremost, was to kind of get the original designs out just what the what the frames were going to look like, what our system was going to look like generically. And then we started working through the scope from there on. Well, that I mean, the, the good news is, is you had Udu, right? So did you yeah. basically start by telling them just copy this thing or you guys made a lot of changes? Yeah, we we wanted it to be kind of our 
a collection of everything we had learned over the last five so years. You, le- you learned how not to do this for a long time. Yes, we learned how right? not to do it, and now we're trying to build how we would have liked it to exist when we yeah. started the whole journey. But, but, but I think that's the way these things these things usually go. And I, I wanted to ask one more thing about the Udu and your experience there is I you said you six thousand dollars is that probably about what you guys had to spend internally to use it too like just for your own for artisan or or just to use it internally yeah the internal cost um was actually much higher for them six thousand was kind of basing it off we would include 30 users with it Um, okay at a 30 user level we could kind of get just above break even so like 30 30 users gave us a starting point to get in somebody's company and kind of get going. Okay. Um, but scale would be up from there. So if you were a five person company, you had a lot of excess system okay. that they didn't need. Um, but we just couldn't find a great way to use Odoo's modules because some of them can be very granular. Some of them can be very expansive. Um, we couldn't find a way to kind of scale that down to like, all right, here's a five person company. Right. And we're going to put all this money into getting them going, but our costs are still kind of high. And that was yeah. development cost, hosting, like everything that kind of went into it. And that all of that was just people money. That's not even talking about the AWS environments and all the other, uh, you know, Century and everything well, else going on. I mean, the, the thing I want to point out here is like low code, new, no code kind of software isn't necessarily very cheap, right? I mean, you... No, no. You spent forever customizing all this stuff. And I'm going to guess for Artisan, you guys have a lot more than 30 users probably, right? So you're spending $10,000, $20,000 a month or something? I mean, or? The AWS environment alone is probably 4000 a month. <clears throat> so that's just one singular piece of the cost. Then you have licensing, yeah. you have support, everything else that goes into it to make sure that it stays up and running securely. <laughs> now, but I, I think I think the key here though is is if Artisan was ever, it was just only going to use this internally, it was probably a pretty good solution, right? You're like, hey, even if we spend 20 grand a month on this thing, we are, you already said you saved half a million dollars a year in labor cost. Like, you, you know, it, it's probably not a bad solution. But as soon as you try and sell that to other people, all of a sudden you're like, there's no margin in this thing or the cost is just too high to actually build a business around it, right? Like ultimately that was, that's where you ended up. Yeah, we still had some barriers with Artisan. I mean, some of the roadmap, uh, you know, we we got to the point we got to where we were making that decision that we still had not built the customer portal we wanted to build. We still had not built the installation. The first thing you the first thing you wanted like four years ago. Yeah, yeah that's how this started, right? We started on yeah. the customer portal and, you know, we built a whole ERP system along the way. And never got to the customer. Yeah. <laughs> and there, were, there was function for it, but it wasn't how we needed it to be. Um, and so since that, you know, we already have a, an active customer portal that can be live today that we've hit that mark now. Like people can pay invoices online for their customers. Um, we can accept payments online, all those things. But those things were still not, not reached. And we're going to, on top of having to rebuild accounting inventory and field management, were still things we had to do past that, right? Still had to build that portal, still had to build some other functionality. Yeah. Um, other integrations we were looking at that weren't working great with the Odoo framework that switching to, a, we're a full stack JavaScript framework at this point that are working much better um, just based on kind of how our our guys architected the system. So, so, so I'm curious now, 
you went through this evolution, you've decided to build your own software, and this spun out into its own company, and that's what Kudu is, right? You're you're separate from Artisan. I'm sure Artisan will be your first customer, and that's yeah. awesome. But then do you are you guys still 100% leveraging this outside dev agency, or did you hire any internal people to, to help do the development? No, we, we still leverage that outside. Okay. Um, and we probably will through 24 probably won't even start the conversation of looking at in-house until maybe 25 at the earliest. Um, so what what do you think drives the decision for you of when you want to have somebody in-house? Because you're a tech company now, right? You're going to be a software company. When are you thinking about like, hey, I need a uh, at least a, a part-time like fractional CTO or a product manager or a lead developer? Like when are you thinking about like you need those things? So we do get some of like the fractional CTO experience out of that relationship um, through kind of their more senior team. Okay. Um, so that's kind of balanced right now. It's been heavily on my mind that I do want that person in-house and at least learning what we're doing at some point, because my fear is like we get to that point and all of a sudden we got to pull somebody in and it's a 12-month learning cycle of just where we've been and where we're at, right? Um, the benefits that I see right now, however, are the ability to scale the team up and down, right? Um, we have a, a great senior tech lead that is architecting and leading the team. We have great project managers and on their side, like the equivalent of our product manager that is um, that is working out phenomenally. And yeah. so, you know, if we need more design time because we want to add something that was off scope or whatever, like we can move that up. Or if right now with 45 days left, We've got a lot of back-end work that's got to be done. So we can scale that back-end up higher uh, for the next 90 days and just push hard as hard as we can to kind of get some of that work done. Um, so that that fluctuation in resources is extremely helpful and gives me no reason to kind of need that in-house yet. Um, we do have a product manager in-house that is managing the roadmap and managing there you go. UAT and everything else. That's uh, good testing all the releases to make sure it's coming out as expected. And we have a uh, customer success specialist that's kind of going through and building that onboarding process, checking yeah. the with him as well to make sure it makes sense from a customer perspective. So we do have those in-house resources, but leaving the tech, uh, tech side kind of to our partners because they're really great at it. And we've been yeah. extremely happy. With you know what? At the end of the day, it comes down to you have a vendor that you can trust, right? And you found a vendor that you can trust, and that and that is all that matters. I've talked to lots of people that they use vendors and like I sort of like them, they're okay, but whatever. And then some of them that like they get straight scammed. Like I, I hear all the stories. So you might be the exception that you found one that that has been really good. So kudos to you. That that is awesome. And uh, you know, over time it'll change. And that but that's really good that that you found a, a really good partner. Um, you know, full scale is another option. If somebody is listening, we do, we do the same kind of work for a lot of people. And, and there are some people we work for where they don't have any in-house dev leadership either. And we help build like the whole team and do everything for them. Most of the time though, we're helping build around some kind of team they have internally, yeah. but at full scale, we do a lot of those things. But so I have, a, I have a curious question for you. And this is kind of a loaded question. So be careful about how you answer it. <laughs> do you feel like you're about, 90% complete. Yeah, well, so yes and no. Um, hold on, hold on. Is it, <laughs> there's a loaded question. Yeah. Is it yes or no? 90% complete, no. I feel like we're because, probably 85. 
Because you understand the rule of 90s, right? Yeah. Because when you're 90% done, you're only actually half done. Yes. <laughs> when it comes to software development, the last 10% also takes 90% of the time. Like, that's just the way it works. So, to be fair to that exact point, our last 10% really is our accounting module, um, which you can imagine is the most painstaking to make sure is right. You know, we're dealing with financial transactions, making yeah. sure they're reported correctly. Um, making sure that the income statement balance sheets, all those are coming out correctly. And that's, it's a, it's a large task to make sure you get right. You don't want somebody coming up to you and saying, Hey, like my cost of materials isn't being recorded because that's happened to us uh, previously, you know, when the, uh, the go first go live with Odoo, like only certain products were tracking cost of materials and other products weren't. So we were showing this fantastic gross margin on the PL. Yeah. And then come to find out after digging in, like 20% of our product set wasn't sending the cost forward. And so it's a, you know, we feel like we're 85, 90% gone that we have this last stretch to get done. Uh, but it's the biggest one and it's the most painstaking. Well, but but the reality is that's 18 months or, or so to get to kind of MVP v1 right like you still don't have anybody who's actually used it yet and you still have all of that to go through which is still part of the amount of time right like oh, yeah. even though you get through 18 months like okay now somebody's gonna start using it it's still a lot of bugs there's a lot of things to work out you're gonna fail we, we forgot these features like that's part of that second 90 percent that you still have to get through and the roadmap for 24 i mean so we're just to mvp we still have all these other things that we've planned yeah. forever to do that still have to come to fruition in 24 as well. So how uh, long do you, so is your first customer going to be artisan again? Yes. Yeah. So how long do you think it'll take like a QA cycle to like test and get them like comfortable before they would actually go live? Or do you think that's January one? Uh, it's January one. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> that, that fourth time we get in the room and we all stare at each other. Like, all right, are we doing yeah. this? Here we go. Uh, our go, no go date this year is twelve fifteen for them. Um, okay. If we push, it'll it'll be decided on twelve fifteen. Uh, but right now, we're probably looking more realistic realistically at one fifteen. Not because of system readiness, but because of when you do outsource and you have teams overseas. There's different holiday schedules, and one of those kind of falls. Yeah, sure. The year, and you don't want your tech team out on holiday while uh, you're trying to go live. And where's your team at, by the way? Uh. We have a group down in Uruguay and then Eastern Europe, um, kind of all over the place, Turkey, Kazakhstan, Russia, kind of everywhere right now. So Wow. Yeah. You know, I tell people all the time, like 90% of software developers don't live in the United States. Yeah. People never seem to compute that. But 90% <laughs> of them, they all live in the countries you mentioned and a lot more. Like there's a lot of talent out there. And, and they're fantastic. Uh, I mean, they they work hard and, and have done a great job. I mean, it's great seeing yeah. kind of their fruits of their labor kind of come to fruition as we're starting to get into demos with people. Um, and they're seeing that product and giving us feedback. It's all been, been great. Yeah. There's smart talent everywhere. And that's, that's why we've been successful at, at full scale too. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been absolutely fantastic. And I think it's a cool story about not only trying to just build this and the courage it takes to go out and build this, but, the trials and tribulations of, you know, trying to use a low code solution, open source, and then figuring out all the struggles and problems with it and 
really wish you guys luck over the next you know few weeks as you get this thing live i, I think this is a, a really cool story so yeah we're excited about it we're uh our kind of motto is to try to make people's lives easier not harder so uh hopefully that'll happen in 24. do you see expanding this outside of flooring like other types of construction and, and things yeah, we because we came from flooring and we know flooring, that's kind of where we're trying to start. Um, but anyone that provides material and services, we see an opportunity to kind of benefit the whole trade market in that sense. Roofing is the one that comes to mind right away. I don't know why, but yeah, yeah, it's another we, one. Uh, roofing, HVAC, we we see a lot of potential. I'm hoping to meet with an electrical contractor here in the next couple of weeks to kind of talk to them. Each have their own nuances, um, but ultimately. They're sending people out to install something. I think we can help them out. So, Well, very good. So this was uh, Nick Farish today, again, with Kudu. And your guys' website is kudu, K-U-D-U-E-R-P.com. It's Nick Farish, president and founder of Kudu Solutions. I always ask people on the way out if you have any final tips, uh, words of wisdom about entrepreneurship, low-code, flooring, whatever it is. Uh, if you're going to decide to do software, uh, in any capacity where like innovation is great within a company or outside of a company, but um, make sure that you understand the processes and what you're trying to achieve before going after it, because automating shitty processes is shitty automation. So um, that's kind of my note. And we, we have switched our website. We're at kudupro.com now. Okay. Um, so we did, did switch that recently. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Matt. Take care. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.